0: All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 3, something I'm a little more comfortable with, that's preaching, amen, I ought to be comfortable with, I've been preaching 47 years. I know I look that old, and I am that old, but I have enjoyed my life of preaching, and I'm going to tell you something, I wouldn't do anything else, Brother Steve, than preach. Uh, I love uh, to preach the Word of God, and I appreciate you coming, uh, because I tell you what, sometimes A preacher just needs encouragement by seeing somebody in church. Amen? So you can encourage me if you had not encouraged anybody else. And I think I needed it, and I think you need it. and We need to encourage one another, prefer one another, honor one another, minister to one another. There's a lot of one another's in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you something. It's a wonderful privilege to be behind that one another. And that means the Holy Spirit causing you to, Exhort one another. I, I thought somebody was going to request prayer for Bob, Brother Gabe, and uh, <clears throat> we didn't do it. So we need to pray for Bob. And Bob is ac- acr- acrostic, that means burdened. Pray for a burden, an opportunity, and what else? Boldness. A burden, opportunity, and boldness. You ought to pray for Bob every day. And somebody told that the brother gave in the prison ministry when he first got in the prison ministry, that you ought to pray for Bob every day. Burden, opportunity, and boldness. Amen? Love, compassion makes a difference. Amen? In chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, we're going to try to preach the whole chapter, so don't panic. It's a very brief uh, chapter. But he starts out with finally. That's like a preacher saying in closing, don't believe a, don't believe a word of it. He's still got 20 minutes, (laughs) amen. But um, he says, finally, brethren, pray for us. Now, this is a chapter of correction. It's an injunction for the disorderly, is the title of my message. And um, the second coming of Christ is more than a doctrine to examine and study. It's a truth to grip your life and to make us better Christians. Someone said this, and I believe with all my heart, that the doctrine of the second coming will change your life more than any doctrine in the Word of God. Now, there's a doctrine of hell. Jesus preached on hell 13 times, and 83 times the word hell is mentioned, or the word of torment or wicked, play, uh, uh, terrible, horrible place is referred to all through the Bible 83 times. So that's a doctrine that I'll shake you up, the doctrine of heaven, the doctrine of grace. But there's a doctrine of the second coming we ought to live each day as if he could, he could come today. Uh, I I am convinced of this that I in the right in the middle of a sentence tonight of this message, the rapture could take place. And I, I'm convinced that this could be my last message. My last message. It could be because of a heart attack, or if I let my wife drive home, brother Bobby. But you know, uh, I'm just saying. Uh, You're in trouble, brother. But I'm just saying that God help us to live like he's coming because he is coming. And a lot of people don't believe that, and I'm going to deal with this. Some people think there's a seven-year warning about the rapture, and they're dead wrong, and they will be very, very uncomfortable, and and there's no comfort in post-tribulation rapture, no comfort at all. But there's a whole lot of comfort in pre-trib rapture. If I didn't think we were going to get out of here before the tribulation I would be very depressed. If I thought I had to go through one minute of the tribulation because it's bad that 500,000 people 500,000 people have died of the pandemic which hadn't been the worst pandemic in history by the way. It hadn't been the worst. Study your history. But I want to tell you something. The book of Revelation says that in the plagues or the judgments that uh, one-fourth of the earth is going to be destroyed, uh, the habitants, and then there's going to be uh, uh, one-fourth and then another-fourth, and that ends up with being one-fourth of the earth is going to be left during the tribulation. And that means, according to the population stats right now, that's five billion people that's going to die during the tribulation. $5 $5 billion, with a B. And so, folks, it's going to be horrendous time. And, folks, there is no comfort if you think you're going to go through that. And I'm going to prove to you scripturally that that is, a, that is a false doctrine, Seventh-day Adventists and Catholics. It's a false doctrine. We are not going to go through one day of the wrath of God on this earth. Aren't you glad? The Bible says comfort one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. So it's not enough to know about the coming. We must believe it and practice it daily. And these Christians got messed up. And Paul had to write a second letter to straighten them out and help them and exhort them uh, to change their ways. And so here it is, last chapter, straightforward. It is get your act together and stop being lazy. Because a lot of people are using the the excuse that they were in the tribulation because there is persecution, and it was terrible persecution, far greater than we've ever seen or heard about. And they thought the tribulation already started, so they were quitting their jobs. They were sitting up on the mountainside, as people did in 1974, as they did in 1988 with these date setters. It's also unscriptural to set a date. It's a season and time, amen, but you don't set no dates. Anybody sets a date, and I'll give you some examples, in just a moment, uh, you better beware of their doctrine because they're usually post-tribulation, um, and that is sad. But I want you to see, first of all, in verses 1 through 5, we're just going to uh, uh, read and, 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 um, and preach this as we read. Uh, I want to read verses 1 through 5 first. The Bible says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Any preacher worth his salt's praying that prayer every time he gets up. God, let the word of God do the work, and let the word of God be received as from God. But it says, "And that you may be delivered from the unreasonable and wicked men." Here's some false prophets coming in, as they always do. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Now look at this. It says, "And we have confidence." In the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things which are commanded, command you. And the Bible says in verse five, And the Lord direct your hearts unto the love of God and unto the patient waiting for Christ. So they already already come, and there were some false prophets writing letters and speaking after Paul left and said, Hey, he's already come. You're in the tribulation, and you might as well go quit your jobs and quit everything and just look and gaze for the coming Lord. It reminds me of Acts chapter 1 when Jesus was ascending and the uh, angel came and rebuked him and says, Why stand ye here gazing? Did not he say he was coming in like manner? And, folks, just as he went up, he's coming down. But the first time he comes, he's coming to gather us up. It's called the rapture of the church. You say, I don't believe in the rapture because the word's not in the Bible. Well, it says caught up. That's good enough. Amen. The word comes from two Latin words, which means caught up. Uh, The the word Trinity is not in the Bible. The word missions is not in the Bible. But I still believe in the Trinity. I still believe in missions. Say amen. And so we see, first of all, we need to pray and be patient. Paul was requesting prayer for his ministry of the word, and uh, somehow, some way, some lies had been spread, and Paul was requesting the ministry of the word. Folks, it's a living word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Paul was saying, let it run freely uh, throughout the world. Folks, we ought to have a prayer upon our hearts every time the word's preached, every time it's shared, every time it's taught, that it would be not hindered by false doctrine not hindered by preoccupation, not hindered or ignored, Paul was yearning for the, to see God glorified. And so he prayed requesting prayer for the ministry of the word. And second of all, he prayed for God's servants to be delivered. We see it very clearly. It says the word did have free course among the believers. And folks, when the word of God is engrafted in your heart, you become more like him. And the only hope you have is to get in the word and let the word get in you. And the word engrafted means it becomes a part of you. And folks, the standard for living is not the Democratic or Republican Party. The standard for living is not the uh, um, uh, state of education. The standard of living is the word of God. And the word of God tells us how to live, tells us how to give, tells us what to do in light of the soon coming. And so it should be received and believed. And so, folks, he prayed that God's servants would be delivered from false doctrine and from uh, humanistic thinking and uh, from selfish desires and even delivered from the self. Sometimes your worst enemy is sitting right with you. It's not your wife or husband either. It's you. Amen. Uh, if we're going to have revival, you need to look in the mirror and say that's the one that's going to have to have revival. But look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. I know i read this in the study many times, but it's a key verse. The Bible says for this cause, I mean 1 Thessalonians, now not second. Go on back one book. I read your mind, didn't I? Because uh, I did the same thing in studying this. But look at 1 Th- Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And I'll tell you what, second Thessalonians chapter 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13 is the same thought. How about that? We'll go, we'll go to both of them. It says this. For this cause also, think we God, without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which is you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as the truth, the word of God. What a powerful verse. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Folks, if you're going to have the word of God work in you, you must believe, number one, that it's the word of God, not the word of Wayne. One time I was out visiting and I asked a guy, I said, if you died today after we talked and broke the ice and talked about church, I always ask this question, sir, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? Everybody's a Christian in Dalton. They've been, they've been a Christian five or six times, matter of fact. Uh, and everybody's religious. Everybody thinks they're saved because they walk into church. But I want to tell you something, friend, you must be born again. And you must trust the word of God as the incorruptible seed. But I remember that fellow said, hey, don't you remember me? Uh, you witnessed to me when I was in jail. And he said, you saved me. And I looked at him and I said, if I saved you, you're still going to hell. I said, if the Lord saved you, then you're still saved. Amen. And so, folks, it's not of man, it's of God. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter. Some of you have already been there. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, but we're bound to give thanks all." Always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Belief of the truth. You know how you're saved? By faith. You know how you're saved? By belief. Now, I believe that belief affects your behavior. If you believe in a man named Khrushchev, you're a, you're a communist. Amen? Amen. You believe in a man named Biden. You're a Democrat. You believe in a name. Uh, I ain't gonna go there. Uh, but you know, if, if you you know you whatever you believe in, you follow. And don't tell me it doesn't affect your behavior. So if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you repent when you're saved. It's a natural turn. When you turn to God, you turn from the world. Now, I'm not talking about lordship salvation. I'm not talking about having all your ducks in a row because everybody's got to grow. Amen, there's a lot of examples of that in the Bible where people backslid but they were still saved. How about Peter? He cursed and denied Jesus. Don't you think he was saved? No, he wasn't saved. Yes, he was saved. He was one of the disciples. The only one that wasn't saved was Judas. And so, folks, listen, we need to realize that we need to receive and believe and it'll affect your life. And the doctrine of the second coming will affect your life more than anything else. Number two, number two. We need to pray. Uh, We need to to realize that uh, we need to work uh, if you want to eat. Uh, The four-letter dirty word to a lot of people in this generation is work. Folks, I want to tell you something. We need to work. We need to work for Jesus. We need to let our love and our patience and our hope turn into faithfulness. And we need to finish our course and keep the faith. Amen, what a way to end. And some people are blowing it in this day. And Paul is saying, hey, listen, get it together. I did not say that you're in the tribulation. I did not say that the rapture is already taking place. I'm saying you ought to live like it could take place any minute. And how much more today. And so some of the believers have misapplied the teaching concerning the return of Christ. Look at verse 6. Now, we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly. False prophets, and then and listen to this. Not after the tradition which received of us. Tradition means the word of God. And look at this. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behaved ourselves, uh, we we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. They set a good example. And neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be charge chargeable into to any of you, not because we have not power but uh, to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. And he's talking about he made tents for a living and he was very hard worker. And look at verse 10. It says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that you, if any of you would not work, neither should you eat. You know, we live in a day of entitlement. I'm going to say this, friend, there is nothing free in this world. Somebody's going to pay for it. Somebody's going to pay for it. That's right. Sooner or later, somebody, maybe the next generation or the next generation, they're going to pay. They're going to pay. And folks, we need to be realize that God has ordained that we work. Uh, not be lazy, not quit everything and go out into a hillside and look for Jesus to come or think he's already come and, and you're in the tribulation. And so uh, Paul's already admonished them in verse 6, and he admonished, admonished them again uh, in verse uh, 14. He says, If any man obey not uh, our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. And so there's people that say quit everything. Don't be faithful worker. You know, I want to tell you something, friend. One of the greatest testimonies you have is to be the best worker on your job there is and it's a shame and disgrace that some people claim to be a Christian they don't show up on time they leave early and sometimes they don't even they don't even work uh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself if you're a lazy person uh, God's given you ability to work you ought to work and folks listen a lot of people think they're so spiritual they don't have to work but I want to tell you something God help us in this day nobody wants to work they want a free handout It's cheaper to stay at home and draw unemployment. Folks, you ought to want to work. Amen? Let me just get on pet peeve for a second. You ought to to want to obtain and do something, especially if you're a man. You ought to want to accomplish something. Amen? Uh, You ought to have projects around the house and shock your wife and actually rake the yard once a year or uh, comb the dog's hair or something. You know, amen? Vacuum when she has a bad back. But go to work and make a living and come home and, and uh, give your children uh, a good, good opportunity to get an education because you're working hard. I think it's commendable. And so, folks, we see it in Acts chapter 6, and 1 Timothy chapter 5, that if there's somebody that can't work, we ought to help them. We ought to be benevolent. And uh, we're obligated to help the widows. And we're going to do that. Um, but then in, we see in verse 13, let me go ahead and read verse 11. It says, for we hear that there are some among you walking among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now, not only did they not work, they were in everybody else's business. They were gossips. I want to tell you something the idle mind affects the mouth. When you have a lot of time to look uh, at people, uh, when you're not busy doing something for God, serving God, uh, you get critical. You get cynical. You just get sorry in your attitude, and nobody else is as good as you are. And, folks, he said they're busybodies. That's a strong word in the King James Bible. It says, you know, that we're in other people's business. And, uh, folks, a lot of churches split, splatter, and splint. When I first came to this town 43 years ago, yeah, I was a young guy, 27, had a full head of hair and a lot more energy. And I'd go door to door till dark every day. I made a commitment. I'd start at three, and I'd go to dark. And I tried to do that uh, faithfully. My wife went with me. She she had a Jason, of course, to carry, eight months old. And then we found a ba- babysitter, and she got to go uh, uh, with me. But um, a lot of people, when I knocked on the door, they'd, the first question they would ask is, what split is the church off of? I, and I, I thought, my word, how many churches have split in this county? If they're, That's all I hear. What split? What Baptist church did you get mad at? And I always told them, I said, hey, listen, I'm out of Gospel Baptist Temple in Claxton, Georgia. They sent me out gladly. They're glad to get rid of me. And uh, we're a soul winning church. I tell them every time. I said, we don't split, splatter, and splint to start a church. That's not even biblical. Folks, if you can't get along here, you won't get along there. You know, you need to, you need to, you need to settle some things. And if a church is not doctrinal, you shouldn't even stay in it one minute. But I want to tell you something, friend. A lot of people, a lot of people think that they're God's gift to the preacher to keep him straight. And they are God's gift to the deacons to get them straightened out too. And folks, I want to tell you something. What we need to do is all be humble enough to realize that we all got faults. We all need each other, and we need encouragement in the local church. And I thank God for this church. While why I've stayed here 43 years. It's an encouraging church. It's a loving church. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not trying to politic. God help me to get more people to come to this church. It's just a loving church. And it's a church that exhorts each other. And if I ever hear of gossip, I try to break it up. I've been to people's homes and say, listen, you need to stop that. I did that one time uh, with a family up the road, and they said, no, I know why you don't want us in the church because my husband's been, uh, uh, because he ought to be the song leader. I said, we already got one. He said, well, he, he could do it better. I said, well, that's your opinion. And I mean, she was ready to fight. And all I was doing was trying to visit her, help her. Now we're dear friends, but I want to tell you something, folks. We need to plead for continuance. Look at verse 12. And them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ. That with quietness they work and eat uh, their own bread, but be ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And here's the, here's the verse that just encourages me. What a plead for continuance. You ought to be faithful. You can't be everything, but you can be faithful. And folks, I want to tell you something. He was saying, hey, listen, don't get weary. Don't quit your jobs. Don't quit life in general. Don't be busybodies and criticize people that are not as spiritual as you are. Um, and, folks, you know, some people would drown if it rained because their nose is so far up there. <laughs> what we need to do is be humble. And know that if we got anything in our life, it's because of God's blessing. So why compare each other? Amen? That's what he was saying. This church had some problems. Now, I don't think our church has got any problems. I think it's just perfect. No, not really, probably not. But don't tell me if it. isn't. But look at verse 14 now, and I'll close and get to the main part of my message about pre-tribulation rapture. It says, and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Now he pleads for separation thirdly. Hear the word and do it. Hear the word and do it. Verse 14 is a great call that you should not fellowship with people that are not doctrinally straight. You shouldn't date people that are not more spiritual than you, girls and boys. You shouldn't even consider somebody that's not on the same page with you spiritually. I mean, you ought to be doctrinally one, and that's what you ought to iron out before you ever start dating, or courting, or whatever you call it. But some people they fuss and fight. One's Catholic, one's Baptist. Uh, you know, one's lost, one's saved, and it is a mess. And it and, and the children are confused. And and folks, the Bible says that note that man. How much more should we note uh, those that do not believe the word of God? And look at verse 15 real quick. It says, and you count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Well, to restore him, but that don't mean we're best friends with somebody who don't believe the word of God. There was some false doctrine going on, and I believe one of the false doctrines was that they were already in the tribulation. Why work? Why do anything? The rapture's already taken place. I'll prove to you that the rapture hadn't taken place. And I'll also prove to you that the tribulation does not take place before the rapture. Thank God. Can, is everybody on page with that? Amen. And you know, we need to obey the word of God. And here's a great uh, closing to this, chap- this chapter. It says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. By all means, the Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand which he's token in every epistle, so I write, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And so he's saying, hey, listen, rejoice because of peace. Folks, there must have not been much peace in that church at this moment. It's a shame that the same thing happened in Corinth to Paul, uh, and he had to get them back together and, t- and write the Second Corinthians. Uh, I have a friend going to his church in a couple of weeks to, for a conference. Um, 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 a time that we all preach together, a statewide meeting of independent Baptist preachers, and it's a great time of encouragement. And uh, the church is named Corinth Baptist Church. I thought, who in the world would name their church Corinth Baptist Church? And then the preacher, Don Richards, is now Tommy Foskey, always said, hey, it's Corinth Baptist Church of the second epistle. Amen. Mm -hmm. The first epistle, they were getting drunk around the Lord's supper table. The first epistle, they were suing each other. The first epistle, they were having adultery and incest. I mean, it was a mess. And the first epistle, they got caught up in tongues rather than love. That's a more excellent way. And they were all speaking in tongues at the same time. And Paul had to come in there and say, hey, listen, don't you do it. Make sure there's an interpreter, which is a language, by the way. When you have an interpreter, there's a language. And he says, you do it by course. And then it said something that really blew their mind. it says women keep silent in the church. Now so y'all look at me cross-eyed right now especially with women liberals I can tell you right now. You are looking at me real cross-eyed. But that didn't mean anything about testimonies, that doesn't mean anything about praying, but I want to tell you something friend, the Bible says as far as tongues is concerned, you ought to you ought to you ought to not speak in tongues. Uh, and that's all found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So there was a mess going on. They were abusing spiritual gifts. And he said, hey, listen, I'd rather you speak five words of preaching than uh, 5,000 words of of unknown tongue. He said, if all of you speak an unknown tongue, some lost person is going to come in and the King James Bible uses this word and think that you're mad. And the word mad means crazy because it's a bunch of gibberish and nobody can understand it. Folks, Paul had to straighten that out. And there's some people that are still not straightened out about it. They're still confused about it, and they bring it in the church, and I've had people try to correct me and anoint me and do all kinds of things. Uh, I've had to correct them biblically. Folks, it says we ought to rejoice because of peace, peace with each other and peace in the home. Hey, listen, your Christianity will never rise any higher than your Christianity in the home. If you don't have peace at home, you won't have peace in church. As a matter of fact, you'll probably add to no peace because you'll come in griping and grumbling and hurt and bitter and you'll spread it to the whole congregation. Then we ought to rejoice because of fellowship. Verse 17 it says, the salutation of Paul with my own hand. And he said he wrote, and he, and he signed it for authentication, praise God, and uh, and authority. He said, this is my letter. Because some people are saying Paul didn't write that first one. Paul's got bad doctrine. So peace comes from his presence and peace comes from fellowship. I mean, real fellowship. And peace comes by grace. Folks, as always, when you see the opening of of Brother Paul, Apostle Paul's letters, it's grace and peace. Grace and peace. There is no peace without God's grace. If you're not saved, you don't have peace you're not right with God, you don't have peace. Folks, I want to tell you something. Probably a backslider has less peace than a lost person because you know better. And You're quenching the Spirit. You're insulting the Spirit. You're grieving the Spirit. So there is no peace. I don't care how much you buy or what you get. Uh, folks, you'll never find peace from the world. The peace comes from above. It comes from within. And it's spread from without. To others, you ever been around a person that just was solid? I mean, just, 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 just had it together. That's because they had the peace of God, peace with God, and the peace of God. And so, chapter one of this book talks about the depressed. He inspired the depressed because they were under so much persecution. He inspired them and said, "Listen, uh, don't don't forget you're saved." And God saved you for a reason. That's to glorify God even in your trials. And then chapter 2, he has instructions to the deluded. Those are the people that were getting weary and uh, maybe uh, listening to some disorder. And then chapter 3, it was injunctions for the disorderly. He was exhorting the saints. Chapter 1, Paul encourages the saints. Chapter 2, he enlightens the saints. But in chapter 3, he exhorts the saints. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's nothing, nothing that ought to comfort your heart more than to know that Jesus could come any minute. Nothing. Folks, I want to tell you something. No matter what, and if you watch the news too much, you're going to get depressed. Amen? My wife sometimes comes in there and turns it off. I said, my word, what a bossy woman. Turn that TV off while I'm watching it. And she knows I'm getting all upset. She knows I better not watch the news before service because I will get upset, amen. She knows I'll get, you know, all ignited, you know. So she knows best, and she cuts it off, and we pray, and we read the Bible, and we tell jokes, and we laugh, and we cut up. But folks, listen, I want to give you something in closing that will change your life, and that's to know that the rapture could take place any minute. Now today, as in days past, the majority of the world believes in a post-tribulation. You didn't know that, did you? I'm going to tell you why. Because the majority of the world are Roman Catholic. Roman Catholics believe in a post-tribulation rapture, if they believe in the rapture at all. But I know they don't believe in saved by grace. They believe in saved by grace plus works. The Seventh day Adventists, and they have a wonderful hospital down the road, uh, they recently published a four-volume, 3,200-page set of books on famous people who believed that the rapture was going to take place after the tribulation. And in that discourse, they also listed many, many men that believe that we missed it because they set dates of the rapture and it didn't take place. So beware, some are doctors and some are very rich and some are very famous. But folks, if it don't line up with the Bible, it's not right. If it don't line up with the Bible, I don't care how rich it is, I don't care, listen, anybody that wants to worship on Saturday, that's the, that. the Sabbath is Saturday. But we're not Sabbath keepers, we're resurrection keepers. We meet on the first day of the week for one reason, We're not of the law, we're of grace. And the Jesus said, meet on that first day because that's the day of victory. That's the day of the resurrection. You do not call Sunday the Sabbath. It's not. Saturday is the Sabbath. And if you're a seven-day Adventist, you do no work. One time I got in trouble, I dated a seven-day Adventist girl and she took me to a fellowship. She knew I was Baptist. I should have never dated her. But I broke up with her right after the first date. You know why? We had soybean hamburgers. I said, glory to God, I could never eat that the rest of my life. That was the worst thing I ever put in my mouth. They don't believe in meat, law. They don't believe in the Sunday. They believe in Saturday. But I do not tell you what, they don't believe in the rapture, until after the tribulation. So I'm going to give you four or five things why I believe the rapture will take place before any moment of the tribulation. Number one, the doctrine of the rapture is a, is a doctrine of comfort. Let me prove it to you scripture. Go back to our first book, 1 Thessalonians chapter four. How he's heard these verses read by a graveside? Come on, say amen. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm not trying to uh, slap your background. I'm just glad you're not still in the background. You've been converted. Thank the Lord. But look at this. It says, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that's spiritually, concerning them which are asleep, that means dead, that you saw or not, even as others which have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. But notice that. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them that are asleep and it says for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first all the graves are going to open up and the soul is going to be reunited with the with the with the with the with the, with the spirit body's going to stay there stay there And listen, it's a a resurrection body, excuse me. But look at this. It said, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That's where we get the word rapture. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. How about that? The doctrine of the pre-tribulational rapture is one of the most comforting doctrines in the Word of God. If I preach this tonight, soon the tribulation is going to take place. And it's going to have to be a tribulation before there's a rapture. And it's going to be a horrible time of pain and demonic beasts. Revelation 6 through 18 will scare you to death if you're not born again. Demonic beasts released from hell. The sting of a scorpion. You ever been bit by a scorpion? and people will cry for the rocks to fall on them. They'll cry to die, and death will take a holiday. Hellstones, 125 pounds, hitting this earth. Water turned to blood. I mean, water turned to poison. I'm telling you, friend, malignant diseases without a cure. Sounds familiar. And, uh, folks, there'll be people scorched to death because no seasons are all messed up. The sun will refuse to shine, and the moon will... Refused to shine. And I'm telling you what, we're going to go through that very soon. And then I'd say, have a good day. God bless you. Now, how many of you would leave here comforted? I'd leave here so depressed. i said, wait a minute. You mean the tribulation's got to take place before the rapture? And I would be so depressed, so afraid, so down and out, I wouldn't be good for nothing, especially good for God. And so, folks, no matter how much you freeze-dry your food and how much ammo you got and how many guns you have, folks, I'm going to tell you something. It will be not enough to overcome the Antichrist and all the demons of hell during the tribulation. Folks, as a matter of fact, it's a spiritual warfare. And if you have food, you'll be the first one that's killed because you refuse to take the mark of the beast, 666. And so, folks, listen. The tribulation before the rapture is no comfort at all. And my Bible says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. The doctrine of the pre-tribulational rapture is a doctrine of comfort. Amen. Looking forward to it, aren't you? Could be any minute. Then second of all, real quick, Jesus delivered us from the wrath to come. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll go to 2 Thessalonians 5 in just a second. Follow me in your Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10, the Bible says to wait for the Son from heaven. Wait for Him. He's coming. He's not going to touch the earth the first time. He'll touch the earth the second time. Hope you got to know the difference between the rapture and the second coming. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 over here and it's Revelation chapter 19 over here. He'll actually come and rule and reign on this earth the second time that the rapture will take place. Pratt's over here, they don't believe in the rapture. It's not even in their doctrine. They believe in a general resurrection. They're wrong. But look at this, verse 10, it says, and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Did you hear that? It's a promise of God that you'll be delivered from the wrath to come. Now, if you go through the tribulation, you're going to have some wrath because it's God's wrath on Christ's rejectors, and it's Jacob's trouble, the Jews that rejected him. Look at uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter five, uh, no, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter five and verse nine. Uh, It says, put on the helmet of salvation. I believe that's eternal security. That's eternal life. That's the only kind of salvation you can receive is eternal life. But it says, for God has not appointed us, listen now, under wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. This is how you obtain it. This is how you get saved. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So yes, folks, there were much persecution these days. And matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something. There's much persecution today that you do not know of. I heard last night a preacher was telling about a man that smuggled Bibles into Iran. And he did it for years successfully, got the Word of God, the the life-giving, life-saving Word of God into Iran. They caught him, and they cut both of his hands off at the wrist so he couldn't carry the Bible in no more. That's persecution. We got it easy in America. There is a persecuted church. But, folks, it might be persecution, but it's not demonic beasts being let out, Revelation chapter 9, and hell stones, 125 pounds, and water turned into blood, it's not the tribulation. No matter how bad it gets, it's not the tribulation. We're going to be out of here before the tribulation. Can somebody say amen? amen? And Folks, as I said, there's 500,000 people died of COVID, but according to my Bible, one-fourth of the world's population will be wiped out by one seal judgment. One-third will be wiped out again, and then one-half, that leaves us with one-fourth of the population... That'll be left alive during the tribulation. That means five billion people die during the tribulation. If all those people are left behind. So it might be a little less than that. But it's going to be millions and millions of people. So we're not in the tribulation. Some people say, Oh, I believe that COVID is part of the tribulation. No, it's not. The wrath to come will be supernatural. Revelation chapter 9. 10, 11, 12, 13, and you'll never see, well, I won't say that in a minute. Rocks will fall on them. Please, Lord, let me die, they're crying out. But it's too late. You heard the gospel as we preached a couple weeks ago before the rapture. You will not get saved during the tribulation. So the good news is we're saved from the judgment, the wrath of God. Have me believe that? So a pre-tribulation rapture lines up with the doctrine of great comfort that we're going to be spared from the wrath to come. Number three, number three, we need to look for Jesus to come as our blessed hope. I mean, he's heard that, amen. Look at Titus chapter 2, please. Titus chapter, is anybody interested in this, amen? And you'd be surprised how many people you work with It's post-millennial, post-toasty, all-millennial, all tribulational post tribulation They don't have their doctrine right. This is the Word of God. I mean, know your Bible. When they start bringing that stuff up, tell them, hey, listen, the rapture's taking place. I'm out of here. Folks, we went through one day of the tribulation, that'd be like beating your wife up on your honeymoon before the great bride. Before the, I mean, it would be like beating her up during the engagement. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. God's not going to beat his bride up. He's going to welcome his bride to him. Amen. We're the bride. And we're getting out of here soon. Could be tonight. Could be this moment. We ought to pause real quick and just listen for the trumpet. I believe it's that close. How many think I'm crazy? Go ahead, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe it's that close. Look at Titus. All the books of the Bible that start with T are alphabetical, and they're Titus. By the way, i got a new acrostic for General Electric Power Company. I'll give it to you later when I write it down. But uh, that's how I find Titus. It's alphabetical. All the T's together. New Testament. Titus 2, verse 11. You with me? All God's people got the word. Okay. It says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. It's the grace of God. Teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Listen to this now. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Blessed hope. I like that song, "Old oh, Glad Day. But I'm going to tell you something. It, we ought to sing, if you believe in a post-tribulation rapture, you ought to sing, "Old oh, Sad Day. I got to go through seven years of this hell on earth before the rapture. So it, it wouldn't be blessed. Come on. Folks, I want to tell you something. If he couldn't come for seven years after the tribulation starts, it's going to be a most horrible time. It won't be a blessed hope. And I don't know how people believe that. This should impact our lives. John 3 three says we ought to purify ourselves if we think he's coming. And folks, it's, it's a blessed hope. It's a comforting hope. God's people are called together to assemble. That's why the church is so necessary. It's essential to assemble, that we exhort one another even more as we see the day approaching. It's essential. Why do you think we went through all this trouble to try to make it clean and comfortable and still had a bunch of people bring it in? It didn't come from within these walls. It came from without. And I want to tell you something, friend. Thank God, Thank God we can assemble right now. I hope we never have to go back to TV only because it's just not the same. And I thank God for every one of you listening. in. And I thank God you're listening or listen later. Thank God for you. And I'm not trying to criticize anybody, but I'm going to just say you something. The church means ecclesia, called out assembly. And folks, no church is mentioned in the book of Revelation 6 through 18. Why? Because Revelation 4, one says, come up hither. We're out of here. We don't go through one day of the tribulation because the church is not mentioned in Revelation 6 through 18. If we were in the, the tribulation, surely there'd be a mention between 6 and 18 of us being persecuted or killed or whatever. You go over to Syria and some of these Middle East countries, you'll never see a building because there is no church. There's churches a secret, and there's churches in homes. When the rapture takes place, all the Christians are out of here. And the Antichrist will be free to form his one world government, his one world religion, because the restrainer is gone. Who's the restrainer? Preached on about two weeks ago. Holy Ghost. If you don't think, hey, hey, you're the seed... You're the salt, praise God, you're the light, but you're the restrainer. And when all the Christians are gone, the devil, the antichrist, the false prophet is gonna be free to do anything he wants on this earth in the bounds of what Christ allows, God allows him. And so you're the restrainer, you hold back, you restrain, you hold back the forces of hell. When we're out of here, it's tribulation. Even though three and a half years will be False peace. So when the rapture takes place, the restrainer's gone, the Antichrist sets up his government, sets up his church. And folks, I don't see that anywhere in this world that Christians are getting, that are they're all together in one church. That's our liberty. We don't have to have one state church. And so folks, the tribulation's gonna take place after the rapture. Amen. That puts a smile on my face. I had not smiled about much today, but I'm going to smile about that right now just so the devil will see it. Number four, number four. The rapture will come suddenly as a thief in the night. The Bible describes the rapture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as a twinkling of an eye. General Elector didn't have anything else to do but judge a twinkling or a blinking of an eye. Now I don't know why they didn't have anything else to do but study that. It's one ten thousandth of a second. Blink your eye. Can't even hardly see it. I don't even see you blinking your eye unless you're about three rows up. Folks, it's sudden. It's like a thief in the night. Matthew 24 says he's coming as a thief in the night. Folks, the rapture trumpet's gonna sound when no man thinks he's coming. And folks, that's the attitude today. This eat, drink, and be merry as in as the days of Noah. And all their trust is in government and politics. But you better get your trust in the Lord. And I'll just say this, folks. The scripture in the Bible is an instant, miraculous moment when you hear the trump. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with the Lord. There's no warning. There's no getting right. There's no repenting. It's a twinkling of an eye. A thief in the night. And folks, the last time I checked, I'll never forget the time I got robbed. It was during lunch break of all things. A guy drove up in a light brown van. All my neighbors said, it's somebody working on Brother Wayne's house again air condition, electronics or something, Brother Salvador. They said, there's somebody working. No, they wasn't working on my house. They came in my house and took my big screen TV. That really upset me. (laughs) And then they went into my wife's uh, jewelry box and emptied it into a gift uh, bag that was laying on the bed and took all her jewelry. That didn't upset me. Uh, It did. It did. Don't tell her I said that. Uh, That upset me. And I'll tell you something. I looked around for months and days trying to figure out what they took. And, but I'll tell you what, if they would have gave me seven minutes' notice, they'd have found out this preacher is armed and dangerous, and they wouldn't have took a thing. You say, oh, I don't think you ought to be more passive and wear your collar backwards. Well, you, you can just say what you want to. Somebody comes in my house, hurts my wife, hurts my children, and tries to steal my stuff, they're going to pay for it. Amen. I'll shoot them in the leg if I can, but I, I mean, I'm going to kill them. Or I'll at least bluff it. But I'm going to tell you something, Fred. If they give me seven years' notice, they're not a thief in the night. They give me seven minutes' notice, they're not a thief in the night. Come on, don't misunderstand this illustration. I'm just saying if a thief would give you seven minutes' notice, you're ready for them. And folks, the Lord said in a twinkling of an eye as a thief in the night, I'm gonna tell you something, friend, there's nothing more scriptural and more biblical than a pre-tribulation rapture. Woo, I'm having a good time. I'm gonna close right now. Number five, the Bible describes the rapture as a time that we'll meet in the air. Here it is. Rapture will be sudden as a thief in the night, but number five, and lastly, number of grace says we'll meet in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Now folks, if you see anything about air in Revelation chapter 19, let me know. I know we're coming in the air, but here's my question. How can we come with him if we ain't brought up to him? We're all gonna come with him. Well, that means we've been with him for seven years. And what I sung about, we got the judgment seat of Christ during those seven years. We're going to give account of everything we did from the time we were saved to the time the rapture took place or we took our last breath, Brother Bobby. Whoo! I'm still short of bread, and and I hadn't had it since January 1. And I don't smoke either. But I'll say this, friend. God help us to realize that there's a difference in the rapture, caught up, come up hither, and the second coming where we're coming with him, riding white horses. And boy, the blood, and he speaks one word. And we're the only army that won't do a thing. We won't have to do a thing. We will not have to pull our sword out because he'll speak one word and the blood will be up to the stirrups of the horses. And China's trained on the large, world's largest uh, 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 horse military infantry there is because of all the sand over there And everything. And I want to tell you something, friend. The Lord's coming soon, and you need to take prophecy as this in context, but the wrath of the Lamb is going to be poured out upon this earth, but he is not going to pour his wrath out on his children. The rapture is going to take place, and after this, the judgment, and the tribulation for seven years. Let me believe that say amen. If you want to argue it, I ain't got time to argue with you because I want to go soul winning tomorrow if you read Zechariah and you read Revelation, it'll, it's a frightening doctrine. But if you'll read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and all 2 Thessalonians, 2 Corinthians, and on through the Bible, you'll find out that the doctrine of the rapture is for comfort and for consecration. You ought to get busy, We ought to win souls, We ought to be faithful, We ought to be instant in season, out of season, because I believe we're in the last season. When I go to a ball game, those, those athletes do a strange thing. I'm closing. I've got eight minutes, but I'm closing for them. They hold up four fingers. I used to be the chaplain of Southeast, and every fourth quarter, we'd hold up four fingers, and I'd say, yeah, four touchdowns behind. know, <laughs> I said, we ain't got a hope. But praise God, you wouldn't tell it, those young men, praise the Lord, they didn't quit. And I admired every one of them. Alex was out there. Kim was helping me coach, or I was helping him coach. Praise God, we was having a good time, but we was about four touchdowns down <laughs> every fourth quarter. But man, those boys that come on the sideline to hold up their fingers, saying we're going to give everything we got on this last quarter, amen. Y'all been through that in Gordon Central. You know what I'm talking about, Anna. You know, down about 48 points, but praise God, cheerleaders are still cheering, football players still holding up four fingers. Why? Time is running out and there's no place to park and there's no place to sleep and there's no place to fuss and there's no place to fight and there's no place to retreat. We are the last generation before the rapture, I believe. And it's a a mission of comfort and it's a ministry of reconciliation. Let's get busy. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this study and this teaching. I preached longer than I intended to, but dear God, I I really believe this could be my last message. This could be my last message before the trumpet of God sounds. And I want to give it everything I got. I want to be as encouraging these few people as I possibly can. And so Lord, please speak to our hearts. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I never preach unless I give an invitation. Here's the question. Are you ready for the rapture? My friend, are you ready for the rapture? If the rapture trumpet took place, would you be caught up to be with the Lord and miss the seven years, Revelation 6 through 18 of Revelation, the tribulation? You'd miss it all. You know you're saved. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that all over this place now? Nobody's looking. Nobody's going to come to you and embarrass you, I promise you. We don't do that here. You're absolutely 100 sure now. If you're not 100 sure, you need to be sure, but I can tell you how to be. How many glad you saved? That raise your hand. And say amen. Now several could not raise your hand, and I appreciate your honesty. Praise God! Religion ain't gonna save you. Being good's not gonna save you. Or why did we have to have the cross? Works do not save you. Jesus' work saves you. And that finished work was at Calvary when he said, it is finished! And he wasn't finished, the work was finished. And you'd say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want you to pray for me because I need to settle this, and I need to make sure. And I want you to please pray for me. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. And you'd say, please pray for me. If you're not sure you're saved, would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you? I want to do the most I can do for you. i want to pray for you. I wish I would saved this message this Sunday morning. More lost people come on Sunday morning anytime. Anyone? I'm not sure, but pray for me. How many say, preacher, I'm saved? I know it. I sometimes don't show it. But I got some friends, I got some family members that are not saved. They might be trusting being a Baptist to save them. They'll go straight to hell if they think just joining a Baptist church will save them. Folks, you think I pick on a lot of religions. I pick on being religious Baptist too. Because that doesn't save you. Join a church doesn't save you. You must be born again. But you have a loved one that you're not sure is saved because there's no fruit. And the trumpet of God's about to sound, and you're afraid they're going to be left behind, and you want to have a burden and pray for an opportunity. Praise God, have an opportunity and have some boldness to witness to them. And that's your prayer for them. Would you raise your hand on their behalf? All over this place. All over this place. We all know somebody lost. Father, thank you for the message. Thank you for the teaching. Thank you, dear God, for the book of First Thessalonians and the book of Second Thessalonians. It's been a blessing to study it together. I've enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. And I pray, dear God, that we'll not just enjoy it, but we'll apply it. God, that if we really believe we're in the last days before the rapture, everything in our life will be rearranged. We won't be on the throne of our life anymore. We won't it won't be what feels good, do it. It won't be what we want to do, we'll do it. It's what you want. So Lord, rearrange our priorities in the light of his soon coming. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.